Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley and this is the podcast extension of ROI show 505. Our guest for today is Ed Broders, ROI history buff and retired farmer who is going to talk to us about Canups Hall. Our history buff today's show is Terry Toppler and Terry, can you start us off again? Yes, thank you. So, Ed, I have a question. So, you mentioned earlier that there was a 70-year history of Canoops Hall, from 1890 when it was built to 1965 when it ended. So, what caused the ending? What, why did it close up in 1965? Times changed, and that's mm-hmm. too simple of an answer, but um, <laughs> more paved roads, okay. and... Um, people had more entertainment choices. By the time the 50s came along, TV was mm. was was becoming very well established, and um, with more mobility, you could go to a movie kind of whenever you wanted to. And the, um, the, the young people in the 50s who might have gone to that were going other places. And um, once the... Uh, once the normal crowd started, once they got married, um, and they started having kids, they just had, they just had other things to do. Um, my dad also said that um, after World War II, um, the high school diploma was now the norm. Before World War II, it was an eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. So my dad said, you know, and he graduated from college in '58. You had a surge of kids going to college in a way that was never really there before. So, of course, that is going to pull away from the nucleus of community uh, activities. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many there would have been from Stockton. Um, but the other areas. But, but, the, but the biggest story, the biggest part of this also is the uh, radical decline in the rural population. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stockton shows up uh, in 1910. I think the population was 138. And in 1960, or 1950, it was 165. What I always mm-hmm. thought killed Stockton, if you look around all those small towns, and to tell you right now, they're all five miles away because that's only the further you could take a horse and buggy because they had to get water, water, food, and rest. Stockton, when they were creating areas with schools, never got a school. No, that's, that's wrong. And that, that's, that, that's oh, wh- which completely school, wrong. Which school did they have? They had the Stockton school. Yeah, but when, when did that shut down? Well, um, I missed going to kindergarten in Stockton, I think, by three years. Yeah, I mean, the consolidation, though, of the areas, schools were shutting down, and some kept, like, for instance, Walcott was going to go to Durant, and they voted on that in 55. That was a back and right, forth. Right. But the small towns, and I'm saying, all the other ones got some scrap of a school, and Stockton didn't, and I hate to say it, no. that kind of hurt it. Well, Stockton, uh, Stockton's new school, um, which was a two-room school, not a one-room, but a two-room school, <laughs> was built in the 30s as a WPA project. Um, yeah. And I had a neighbor that's Dean would, was five years older than me, and Dean went there through eighth grade. And the class of 1970 in Durant had the choice on the first year to either go to Durant or go to Stockton. Most of them went to Stockton, and then that was it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, talking what you're talking about with the... Um the destruction of this the things that are sacred to the state 
uh, especially with the legislature and our governor now. Schools are on the chopping block big time. And um, again, it's these people who came to the community centuries ago came for uh, wanted a good education, wanted a democracy, all the above, and they're getting butchered. Right. Terry. Yeah, I just want to mention, too, of course, in 1965, you know, we see the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the dance halls being a lure for many young men and women to go to. Uh, it made me wonder how many of our young people went off to Vietnam at that time period, um, especially since when I looked at the recent census for Stockton, it's still around 100, only 176 yeah. population. Yeah, it actually uh, has been, um, that's kind of the low point for the last 30 years, but Mm -hmm. uh, um, I don't think Vietnam really mattered that much. What I haven't talked about is in 1965 when Harvey and Ruby Knudsen sold it to a fellow named Kozad from Muscatine, Mm -hmm. it was used in the summertime for rock bands. And just as in the old days, the town was parked full um, but I didn't need to go up to hear the band because I could sit out on the front lawn a mile away and hear just as much as I needed to. Gotcha. Well, I must admit, also along that same line, there used to be, of course, a lot more uh, dinner clubs or supper clubs. And, uh, oh, God, you would probably remember it. Out on Locust, where now it's Ryan Associates Plumbing, there used to be kind of a outdoor, um, I don't want to say campground, but I was a kid. It was a recreation Recreation, area. And yeah. I think it was known as Little's Grove. Little's Grove, yeah. yeah. And those, and they were, they were around in the area, yeah. other ones, and they all died off about the same time. Yeah. Um, when Harvey and Ruby bought it, they started um, having Friday night fish fries because there was a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the place, but on Friday nights they had Friday night fish fries. And one of my two memories of ever being in the place, and I, I think I was five years old, but I can remember one occasion going up there to have catfish on a Friday night. Really, Terry? Yeah, Ed. Can we go back and talk a little bit more about those murals? I'm fascinated oh, yeah. with those, um, the ones done by Hans uh, Lamp. So, was there any uh, other than a description of them? Any f- photography, anything that showed you what they actually looked like back then? Uh, one of my sources, Connie Koss, uh, has a couple of pictures, uh, copies of pictures, uh, one of which is taken from the inside of the hall, and it shows the stage, and it shows the murals on either mm-hmm. side and part of the floor. And then the other one was, uh, I'm not sure when it was taken, I'm pretty sure it was early 20th century, um, but it's taken from outside the hall. Um, and shows the front of the building. Uh, and there are, whatever the occasion was, there's a couple hundred people standing out in front of it, posing for the huh. picture. Is the building still standing today? No, there's, no? No, there's no. nothing left. Um, after it stopped being used in the early 70s for these rock dances, then it was sold to some other um, people, and they basically let the, over time, they, they used it for a chop shop. Um, which I assume was legal, but they never they never put any money into the place. And no. here, probably five years ago, they burned what was left, and no, there's nothing left. Well, I, I must admit to to preserve halls like that is incredibly 
financially challenging because okay you can make money off weddings and they have right. them there but you better hope that there's a whole bunch of weddings because um and again today's modern world people are traveling to to get married it's you're not having as many in the backyard like you used to yeah i was always kind of amazed that the largest crowd they ever had was in 1958 when things had started to taper off uh, that was my dad's cousin got married um he was from up by wheatland and don got around to a lot of places but uh, that was in january but that's that was the biggest crowd they ever had was 900 now did wheatland have a hall too i never heard of i have they, no idea because i mean even then when you're talking wheatland they the other direction they would still do the travel that's a waste yeah they would still do um, the travel uh dixon has a hall because they've yeah. got yes and i think uh are we, are we talking about the legion yeah i think okay. it was that was a, that was an old hall building that they probably. moved probably yeah. Um, I do remember hearing some of the farmers saying that either cousins or family members met their future spouses at that hall. Right. So, right. But, um, uh, Terry. So, Ed, when you were asking some of, like, Alberta and others about Canoops Hall, was there anything that surprised you that you didn't know before? Um, boy, I got to think about that for a moment. <laughs> well, in the um, podcast version, you can. She went into a lot of detail. Uh, about how things were done during a dance. And um, I would have loved to have had Alberta on the show, but she had a stroke a few months ago. But um, too bad. she could tell you the genealogy of Stockton going back to the 1890s. And unfortunately, when I would ask her about that stuff, things always went off on a sighting into genealogy. Um, but I suppose the, the thing that surprised me the most... Um, I just never really thought about how popular it was. I mean, I kind of heard all this stuff growing right. up, um, and I would have guessed probably at 500 was a good crowd, which it probably was, but uh, the biggest crowd was 900 people. Wow. Um, and you scheduled, you could schedule your wedding dance on a dance night, and if there was a particular band that you wanted to play for your wedding, have play for your wedding reception, then that's when you that's when you booked the hall, wow. and all of your guests paid to get in, and um, the bridal couple got a little bit of a slice <laughs> of the gate okay. as an incentive. And uh, that works. My my cousin Gloria said that they got it, their little slice of the gate was enough to put a down payment on a deep freeze. Cool. <laughs> so. I, I must admit, when you're talking about that kind of recollection, I don't know if you did this with your folks but my grandparents and my dad still this day loves to jump in the car and drive around the country and check the farms out and all that and we would go through the small towns and i can remember both my now my grandfather grandmother came here in the 40s they weren't originally from here but you know they were still with the halls and i remember them talking and my dad still talks about it how the the you know the halls dictated what the youth the direction the youth was going right and for for much of its uh, much of its life, um, as we talked about before, where else were you going to go? Right. It was the glimmer of hope of a long day of work. And recorded music was still kind of expensive in the 30s and 40s. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we would like to thank our guest for the 505th show, Ed Broders, ROI history buff, retired farmer, 
and someone who participated, although quite young, in the Knoops Hall. Uh, the History Buffer Today History Buffer Today show is Terry Toppler, and ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. on Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the website at tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you can find them at soundcloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search and click on the first icon and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.